Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and today I am very excited to dive into a topic which I think everyone here can um, can relate to, and it's really about finding and interpreting your dreams, living your dreams, as well as listening to your children and helping them find their dreams. Now, before we dive in, I just want to do a little bit of a recap of last week's show, which was the inaugural um, inaugural show of Mama's Pearls. And like all good first times, I realized there is, was probably a million things I should have done and didn't do. Like, for example... Um, my this radio show keys off of the blog postings that I do every week. Last week's blog posting um, was called Mama's Pearls, which is the title of the show and what really started me on this path. And um, in each of my blog postings, I have what's called a pearl of the day. The pearl of the day from last week, I actually forgot to mention, which could have been helpful <laughs> to anybody listening to the show and following it. So just to recap, last week's show, the pearl of the day was to pass down, repurpose, and pass on. And again, we were talking about gathering different wisdom. For me in particular, it was from my family and my heritage and applying that to my daily lives and the modern age with my children and kind of seeing what shape that that repurposes and recycles into in order for my children to pass down. So that's just a quick little recap. Again, if you missed last week's show, you can go ahead and find it on the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com slash mama's pearls. And today we're gonna we're going to continue on to our topic of conversa- our conversation topic with wisdom. And again, today's blog and topic is Starlight Starbright. And how many children have started their nights or how many stories start with um, wishing upon a star? And it's very easy to, to wish upon a star, to look at your stars for guidance and really get caught up in them. And we rely on the people in our lives to give us markers and to pull us back from fully getting carried away with our dreams and to keep us grounded. I certainly have my support system. Today's guest on the show is is one of my support systems. And the pearl of today is peripheral vision is required. And that is just as it sounds, is that we need to keep an entire broad scope out of what's around us, what's ahead of us, and what's what's possible for us, as well as what's... um, what's realistic for us to achieve and keeping that broad scope so we don't get too linear in our thinking and our approach to this life when there's just a platitude of possibilities available. So this reminds me of something that my mom says. My mom happens to be a therapist and she's a very, very spiritual and wise wise woman. And she always tells me, when I'm telling her my dreams or when she's listening to her clients going off about their dreams or this pie-in-the-sky concept where, where if you're staring up at the stars, be careful not to trip on, over your feet. 
Now, my mom, being a Capricorn, is an extremely grounded person, and she's very much you put one foot in front of the other to achieve what it, what it, what, what it is you want. I, on the other hand, like to run away often with my dreams, and she was constantly trying to catch up with me, stop me, and check in and say, you know, I, I understand you have this passion, um, but what are you doing to actually achieve it? Because it's one thing to have dreams. It's quite another thing to actually have them materialize and live the life of your dreams. When I was younger, I used to always tell my parents and everyone that I knew, I remember this in high school, and I used to tell them I want to meet and work with Steven Spielberg. My dream was to be in the entertainment industry. And I used to say it with such conviction, and my friends would look at me like when I would say that and like stomp my feet, they would say that and be like, okay, we believe you. And I knew that was a heading for me, and I kind of followed my North Star towards the entertainment route. I didn't quite know I was go- wanted to go to law school until later on. And I was in college, and I really started to enjoy learning, and I took entertainment classes, and I was taking legal study classes, and I was actually doing quite well in them, so I just continued to take more more classes. They were also parenthetically given later in the day, which was a very big benefit to me because I had no interest in getting up early <laughs> and, doing, and doing morning classes. So most of the legal study classes were offered um, in the at nighttime because the lawyers would do their day job and then come and teach the classes. So that really worked for me. But um, while I was taking those classes and doing well, I still wanted to have that focus of doing entertainment law. So I not only took the entertainment classes and the legal classes, but I also felt like I needed to completely understand um, where it was that where where the stories were coming from and, and the psychology about it, so I also minored in um, psychology. So that was my way of putting all these things together of my interest and giving it a grounded purpose and a grounded focus and taking step-by-step actions. And then everything else was kind of luck, kind of just knocking on doors and um, and seeing which ones open and walking through them, which eventually led me to various uh, internships in the entertainment field and also with law firms and um, and led me to the path of of law school when I realized after college that this couldn't be this can't possibly be everything that I need to know. I need to learn more before I can become a productive member of society. So I was talking to my parents, and they said, well, what about law school? And I said, okay. So I took the LSATs and did okay on them, and I applied to law school and wound up getting I was accepted and, and went to law school in, in Manhattan. And there, again, I never lost sight of my dream, and I continued to take to build up my, my law law working experience in in various law firms, and I knew I didn't want to actually work in a large firm. I knew I wanted to either stay small or go in-house, and that's that's what I did. I just kept focused, and I worked with an independent producer who was also a lawyer, and he was a great mentor, and then after law school, I was I was lucky enough to, to find a job in an um, in independent production and distribution company, and from there, it just continued to build. Now, when I was working for that company, 
um, I saw something through the learning annex in New York. Well, they're not only in New York. I think they're actually national, but the one I, I went to was actually in New York. And it said mystical movies. And I never quite put together the concept of spirituality and, and cinema. And there was Stephen Simon, who is a longtime veteran Hollywood producer, who's produced What Dreams May Come and Somewhere in Time, although before I attended that lecture, I've never seen those. The only movie of his that I saw was um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I attended this lecture that he was doing, and he was talking all about mystical movies that inspire our lives. And we met and connected, and I wound up... Um, my first step with him was taking his telecourse that he was offering, which was on mystical movies, with a bunch of other people who were either writers or artists or just interested in spirituality and film. And I'm not talking religious cinema. I'm talking um, more spiritual. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of discussion. We could have a whole call about the differences between spirituality and religion. Um, but I'm more into the spirituality side of life and of cinema and entertainment. And so on this telecourse, I met a whole bunch of wonderful people, and one of those people happened to be Miss Kathy Pagano, who is my, my guest for today. And through that telecourse, not only did I connect with um, the people on the course and, and build relationships outside of the course that have lasted for already, God, I think it's been about five, six years, but I've since gone on to continue my dream in forming a production, in, I mean, I'm sorry, a distribution company. We did produce a film, um, but a distribution company with Stephen and a few of his colleagues, and then have gone on to now have my private practice. So my dreams have keep keep evolving and changing, and part of it is having the heading of knowing what it was I want to do in a general area. And in that way, I think I'm very lucky as compared to a lot of other people where they're, they're completely lost and they have almost too many interests and can't sort themselves out or pick a heading. So they just kind of choose what whatever lands in front of them because it's in front of them or whatever it is that they need to do to just make a living and pay the bills. And we all have those practical day-to-day -day necessities that we do need to take care of. But when you're true to yourself and continue on on your path and you're persistent about it, wonderful things can happen. Now, I have yet to meet Steven Spielberg, but I think that meeting Steven Simon <laughs> it, it, for me is at least close enough, uh, at least for now. So... Again, on my telecourse, I had the privilege of meeting Miss Kathy Pagano. And Kathy is just an all-around goddess. And she has a very, very interesting background and is someone that I could, could talk with for hours and hours and hours. Today she's just going to be joining us for the next half hour or so to give us a little bit of an insight. And I hope she will join us again and again and again a little bit of an insight into astrology. She's an archetypal astrologer and wisdom coach. And she's also a Jungian psychologist who, who trained at the C.G. Young Institute in Zurich, Switzerland. I mean, how cool is that? But aside from having all of these really, really cool, cool degrees and certifications, she's a very real prag pragmatic person who really got her training from life as a single mom raising four kids. 
She pretty much did that all, all on her own. And what she loves to do probably more than anything else is to empower other women. And in doing this, she she teaches us and guides us not only through the stars, which we'll talk a little bit about today. I really hope she gives us, and I know she'll give us, a great introduction to astrology, as well as understanding the great female archetypes because us women and moms, we feel like such mere mortals sometime that we're going to get just walked over and pulled apart. And we are so much more powerful than we can even imagine. And we're not alone. So please join me in welcoming Miss Kathy Pagano. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Kathy. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Always for you. I am so excited. So I laid out a bunch, and I really want to just dive in with you in terms of, I think, starting with the astrology bit and really giving people a sense of um, how we can use the stars to help guide us and really get to understand ourselves better as well as our children's better. Okay. Well, first I'd like to comment, you know, we can use the stars in many ways. When you just go out at night and you look up at the stars and you see the vastness of the universe, you can, you know, sometimes feel very small, but all ancient peoples um, thought that the ancestors lived in the stars and that they were there in the stars to give you direction. So on one level, when you look at the stars, you could think about all of the people who have gone before us and all of their life experience. Um, Carl Jung, the great Swiss psychologist, and lucky you in New York, you've had his red book there on um, display. Carl Jung was a Swiss psychologist, and he used astrology in looking at his clients. We work with dreams, but he also used astrology. And um, and he really is, in many ways, the father of the New Age movement, if you will, um, although it's gone off in many different directions. But anyway, he said that there's a whole universe of stars within us, and those are the archetypes, and those are the archetypal patterns that make us human. It's And we know them through the stories. So we have very many ways to look at the stars, if you will. Astrology is just sort of the art and science of the synchronistic moment of when you're born. So um, the way, the reason it would be great if all parents knew their own astrology chart and also their, the astrology chart of their children, it's a way to see how all of those archetypal energies that make us human are mixed and matched, and and everybody's unique. And so um, instead of trying to look and sort of create cookie cutter stamps of yourself if you look at your own uniqueness and you value it and honor it then you could look at your children's uniqueness and value and honor that that's perfect is that good oh it's perfect (laughs) okay you know (laughs) you know part of the part of our trouble is when we don't live out our own dreams we try to put them off on our children now, that was more prevalent when with us older generations because our parents didn't have the information that my generation, the um, baby boomers, you know, dug up and refound again. Um, you younger kids, when you have children, 
Now, you know, you sort of know, it's sort of been brought into your consciousness, well, I have to live my dreams, and now I have to let them live theirs. And then, of course, that gets a little into the thing of how much do I let them live theirs, and how much discipline do I have to give them? Right. And I'm all into all of it, because I don't think either either dream should stop. There, no. You know, a family unit is is a unit however there's individuals that make up that unit and each individual has its own path in this lifetime and dreams yeah and yeah we're constantly sacrificing you know i can't have this or do that because my child needs this and i'm all for having it all and for the family to live out the collective dream and that's really hard, especially if you've come from a line and you've come from a family where maybe your parents' vision of what you should be be doing really took on a took on and inhabited your life, and that's what you're doing. You're not really doing what it is you want. Um, yes. So can we stop this vicious cycle and all kind of look look in the mirror and say, "Am I really who I am supposed to be, or who I want to be?" Um, and knowing yourself and trusting yourself enough to actually walk into your full power with still respecting and honoring your family and honoring your ancestors and all that they they would want for you. You know, I can't tell, me, tell you how many times I've told people, well, I kind of want to do this and I'm not really sure my parents or this and that. And the the response was always, if you do this, they're going to love you and love you even more for doing it because many times the children of the next generation, they see a little bit further than the, than the generation before them. And with technology and the world that we're living in and the limit, limitless, limitless possibilities, we can take that just completely beyond anything that any of our ancestors could ever imagine. So... Um, staying grounded and staying true to yourself and within your family unit and all of us having our own goals and achieving them, for me, is what I'm constantly working towards. Now, again, it's hard It's hard to pay the bills. The economy is in a downturn. We all feel like we're scrambling just to make to make ends meet and to do whatever is, is possible just in there. So, so many times we're all putting our dreams in the back burner. But I really wanted you to be my first guest on this call to really remind people to check in with themselves and to not be afraid to follow their stars. Right. Well, you know, we're going through a great transformation in our culture. Basically, for the last 5,000 years, we've lived in something called patriarchy. Now, women, we can't pick on the men for this because they live under it too. But patriarchy is the rule by men and by the fathers. And it was set up to be um, a hierarchical type of um, of um, society. And unfortunately, what happened was that women were given a much lesser position in it and devalued. And as the thousands of years have gone on, um, the feminine was lost and the feminine spirit was lost and and so women grew up as what we call father's daughters and um, and that meant we give our allegiance to those patriarchal rules there's only a godfather and there's only you know the men run the country and and the father rules the family but those things are changing right now we're having a configuration in the sky that's saying it's the end of patriarchy and we all know that the feminist movement in the 70s brought to the forefront that women are are equal to men and we still have to get away from that i mean i've seen women 
when I was raising my children in the 70s, you know, I've seen women who were reading books, you know, on how to raise their children rather than listening to their own intuitive wisdom. Mm -hmm. So part of the trouble that we're having now with this crack up of the of our culture and, and, and it is it does need to be changed from the bottom up in many ways is that instead of getting into fear, you see the the culture we live in has said the only important thing is money. Okay, and then status and whatever comes from that. And maybe if we could step out of that and say, you know what, as a woman and as a mother, the the important thing is love and family and connectedness, that maybe we can grow some really creative new plants that will come up through the cracks in the roads and um, help us recreate a different type of society. I am all for our children because we don't want our children living in this kind of society. It's yeah, it's it's fun and easy when you're when you're at the edge of a paradigm shift. And it never is. No, no. And change does not come lightly. And, and this is a big change. This is supposedly a change of twenty six thousand years. Now we don't know if that's true or not, but when in uh, everybody's heard of two thousand and twelve and and it's not the end of the world, but what it symbolizes it's the alignment of our solar system with the galactic center and and some astrologers believe that um it's the end of a whole great year which is when the the sun has gone through not the sun but our galaxy has gone through the whole 12 signs of the zodiac if you will and now we're beginning a whole new age and it is a tremendous shift and it's like when the tides go out um or come in there you know it's Sometimes part of it goes out and there's eddies, you know, and so um, they're pulling in different directions, and you can see that now in our culture. Yeah, and, and people are always asking and, and get caught up in 2012 because, you know, a lot of a lot of um, more psychic friends that I've spoken to, it's kind of collective in that we un- we all sense that there is a change coming, there is an end coming, but it's it's not it's not really clear what's beyond that yet. And I don't think we're supposed to know because it's it's more about a shift in consciousness and really being in the present. At least that was my sense. I was out in Sedona with my mom a couple of months ago and that was that was my great sense about it. Um, yes. That it's just really staying, again, true to who you are, taking the preparation steps now so that when that massive shift comes, that we are prepared just to be ourselves and to live and be connected and be happy, not that it's going to be this apocalyptic event. I mean, no. And it's and I don't think it's going to happen in one moment. I mean, I think it's a process, and I think we're already going through the process. And we don't know what the vision is because we have to create it ourselves. You know, and so each of us need to, um, you know, each of us need to have a vision and then we have to put it together. As a matter of fact, in my next newsletters, I'm going to talk about creating a world garden in the astral plane where everyone can come and plant their vision of the future and go there and water it. But everybody will go to the same place and so we'll feed our collective dreams. And whether that's a metaphor or whether it becomes a real reality, we you know, have to create the best. And as mothers, we're going to do this for our kids. I remember thinking years ago, oh, my God, I have to get conscious. I have four children to raise, and I want them to be good human beings. 
and um and now I have to save the world because I have four children and they might have and I might have grandchildren and so I need them to have a world. So that's where women step in, I think. That, um, we can see beyond ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm completely in warrior goddess mode because I think we all have, you know, especially moms, we have this killer instinct inside that turns into the mama bear and I have a whole blog that's just on that topic, but it's really about wanting to protect our kids and our little cubs um, and set them off straight and making sure that this world is going to accept them and love them and nurture them and give them everything we need. And also, though, not poison them with poisoned food, not poison them with poisoned air, not over, you know, not give them, um, force them to take jobs they don't want because they need to survive. It's just, it's not a life-fulfilling world. We've turned into a culture of death, usually. And um, what other culture poisons its own food? I mean, do you know what I mean? So I, part I of it is... And and tainting, not tainting the well that's our children is 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 something every mom wants to work for, but it's so easy to be unconscious and just get into the daily grind. You know, how can we pull this back and just focusing um, on being very present and almost quiet? You know, with with my kids, I find, you know, I'm flipping sides. Either one minute I'm a really quiet observer and just watching them and stepping up when I just see that they need something or – um, if they're asking me for something like, you know, and I, I have pictures of them when they're doing things or my son where he's building his Legos or he's pulling apart stuff. And I have my dream of what his dream could be. You know, I can see him as an engineer. His father's an engineer and a rocket scientist. And I could see him completely going down that path. But that might not be what one what he wants or two what he's supposed to what he's really supposed to do and what his destiny is. Right. On the other side with my girl, I completely can see her. I mean, she is just this little spicy little thing. But she's also very, like with her hands, like very tactile. And I could see her, you know, in the future being a surgeon that where they do all their surgeries with lasers and micro, micro like robotic arms and doing all this futuristic crazy surgery. But who knows, she might not have the patience to sit still through or have the interest in going through, you know, 20 million years of of medical school. Well, it's four four years and seven years of residency or whatever. Well, she's quite brilliant. She's quite brilliant, so she either will get through easily or she'll just know stuff without knowing it. I'm looking at your chart, and so, uh, you know, let me bring in a little astrology here. Let's let's bring Uh, it back. You said something about sometimes you can be split and you can be very objective or you can be right engaged. Um, everybody's has, um, a, you know, when you're born, it's a synchronistic moment in time. And when you take your first breath, it isn't as if astrology says this is what you have to be. And you, it, what it says is it's a synchronistic moment. This is how you've put together. This is where the energies of the world are right at this moment. And when you take that first breath, you inhale it and you become part of the moment. And those are the gifts and the talents and the tasks that you have this lifetime to work through. And so your sun is your purpose in life, but also there's the moon. We always say, oh, it's your sun sign. And that's always good because it tells you what your purpose is. But there's also where was the moon at the time you were born, and that gives a better indication of your purpose 
and who you are because your moon is how you go about achieving that purpose. And then the last thing that we work with is your ascendant, and that's what's coming up over the horizon when you were born, and that's how you interface with the world. But, Cynthia, when you were born, you're a Scorpio, but you had a Gemini moon. So there you are. The moon represents the mother. It represents our most natural way of relating. For a Gemini moon, it's communicating. It's categorizing. It's stepping back and being objective. It's it's needing to talk with people. When you have emotional issues, it's good to talk them out. Um, and um, President Obama has a Gemini moon. But anyway, you know, so there, right there it was. You like to sit back and observe. So you pull yourself out and you start to think about things. That's one way you mother. Mm-hmm. So someone else might not be able to do that in quite the same way because they might have a Cancer moon or a Scorpio moon or an Aquarian moon. So that's your specific way of mothering. Okay, is to observe, is to stand back, is to talk with them, is to talk about them, all of those things. Well, it's it's funny with my with my son though. Um with him I and he happens to be a Gemini, my son, and I it's not that I don't like talking with him, but I'd rather be with him than talk with him. Yes. Interesting. Like we like I can hang out with him for hours and just have a lot of nonverbal cues and smiling and laughing with him or, you know, doing Legos or doing a puzzle or eating or, or doing some activity. But we don't really chit chat back and forth a million times, which you would think with, with my Gemini moon and my 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 um being voted biggest chatterbox when I was younger, like that would just be natural. I'm much more communicative like that with my daughter where her and I just chit chat, you know, all day long. But not with not with Well, my girls do chat more than boys. Yeah. And also Figure. your son you see your son has a Gemini moon but he has a I mean a Gemini sun but he has a Taurus moon. And his Taurus moon is right opposite your son and so you and you're a water sign, so you you relate to him on a subtle level, okay? And so that makes perfect sense. Whereas your your daughter has, is is a double Aquarian, so in the air, both air signs. So your Gemini Moon and her Aquarian Moon like to have conversations. Oh, that's so funny! Yeah, tell you me know? more. Tell me more about her. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's newer. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, Casey is very is very you know interesting because she has a lot of Aquarian energy. She was born at the last phase of the moon, so she's finishing up old business here. And um and and when and from the signs of Aries to Capricorn, you have a personal task to do, if you will. But when you get to Aquarius, Aquarius represents the group mind. So your your daughter is here to take the group mind, to take ideas, to take us into the future. So, you know, here she is with her sun, her moon, her Mercury, the way she communicates and thinks, and Neptune, the planet of inspiration, and her destiny all in Aquarius. But she has Pluto, Jupiter, and Venus in Capricorn, and also Saturn in Virgo, which just means that even though she's very much up in her head, she had, all the rest of her planets are in Earth. So air and Earth. She's going to have a lot of ideas, and she's going to bring them in and change the culture in some ways. So um, very, she's a very sweet and interesting young woman, 
Um, <laughs> she she's more like a two year old going on ninety. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind exactly. of well. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know if, um, since I don't have grandchildren yet, and my children came before everybody talked about indigo children and crystal children. I don't know the differentiation there, but um, you know, our children are coming in. Um, maybe the way we came in, but we're more conscious. We're we value them more. We don't. You see, in the old days, people were too busy, you know, having to survive, and children were just, you know, there to have to raise, to have to feed, to have to clothe. You know, we went. You know, we sent them to work. Okay, I have to train you and shape you and mold you to fit into the culture. Once again, it was that we have to perpetuate the patriarchy. And so all of the beautiful talents and visions, how many little children used to go, oh, look at that, and talk with their imaginary friends, and we're told, that's not real, stop it. And and their imaginations shriveled and died. Now parents are going, oh, who are you talking to? That's so interesting. Let me write this down and see what it's saying. So we're valuing the, the, the gifts that we have. You know, children have been known to say, you know, children see into into the other dimensions i read a little blurb the other day about a little girl climbing into bed with her baby brother and saying you know i'm forgetting about what god's like will you tell me again you know um we we have these memories of where we come from but our culture puts those to sleep so you know we i think as we become different types of parents mothers and fathers we will allow our children to blossom into the possible human, as Jean Houston, the great psychologist, would say. You know, and your daughter, even though she's an Aquarian, she has a Leo ascendant, so she's the queen. When she goes out into the world, people are going to see a lot of self-confidence. You know, she's been the queen in other lifetimes. You know, when I say the queen, I use it as a metaphor. She has an innate sense of herself as someone who um, has to be, not you know not only has certain privileges but also because of those privileges has certain responsibilities and so she'll end up taking care of everyone she'll probably end up being the boss of the family that's how <laughs> she, she, she already is she already you know? is yes. she'll be the tour guide she'll get everybody you know come on let's go why is everybody still sitting around um so you know there's just this real sense that um she's going to come in and know who she is and then want to bring that into the world for everyone. As an Aquarian, she wants to help everyone That's and partner up with the world, mm-hmm. definitely, but in a very grounded way. Oh, that That's my girl, totally. Yeah. When... Um you know, we're sending her to school. We'll probably start her this summer, and then she'll go next um, next fall. My husband and I always joke about, you know, the teachers, how they're going to have their hands full and how she's going to go to school and, like, her ma- amass her little army because that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's totally how she is. And my husband also was like, because um, everyone's like, oh, she's so pretty when she gets older, the boys. And he's like... I don't know if I'm necessarily worried about Casey meeting boys. I'm more afraid for the boys to meet Casey. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is that, you know, once again, you know, as the parent, as we mothers, 
you know, leave the father's house is how I call it when I talk, when I work with women's groups. We have to, you know, the patriarchy has made us subservient, okay? They have. They have not, um, they've not valued the feminine qualities of life. They haven't valued the feminine consciousness, which is feminine spirituality, which is, you know, a knowledge based on feelings and intuitions. And so as we mothers leave that behind and and value those things in ourselves and become more self-conscious and and we heal those wounds of feeling not good enough, you know, our daughters are going to go into the world in a very different way. And they might not care about men right away. You know, when she's, just because she's beautiful doesn't mean she's going to want to go and put herself in service to a boy at first. Well, you know, it, your daughter. Well, it's interesting how, how times have changed and are changing, but they still are very much the same. Where if you look back in terms of history, in terms of the role of women and men, um, yes, it was very patriarchal. I mean, the men, they were um, the landholders. I'm talking about more like feudal times in, in yes. England and Europe where if you didn't have a son, basically your property went back to the king. So it was very important to, to line up the male heirs of succession. And, um, and women were more born literally as a property of the father that right. were pretty much sold to men. You talk about dow- dowry, that was payment to to the to the fathers um for their daughters' hands in marriage. So, you know, that was the women's role was basically to be subservient to men and to, to bear bear sons. Um yes. You know, one thing I do happen to love, I do happen to love the show The Tudors, but it's a really interesting look at that role of women. Yeah. And how well, you know, women to the king. Women until recently were embarrassed when they, you know, apologized when they had boys. And this is just recently Christine Northrup, the wonderful doctor who wrote um, Women's Bodies, Women women's wisdom and many things like that um she you know she would watch that as she helped deliver baby and always feel bad and she found herself doing it when she had her second daughter and it's just it's so programmed in us to not even value the feminine and so as we have you know as you have these beautiful wonderful daughters and they grow up being valued and not told to be like the boys but valued for themselves as unique individuals the feminine will blossom and we will have equality between the sexes right now we have to stand up for that and fight it um i was just reading a wonderful book it's old it's well it's about 14 years old but all the good um goddess books uh, seem to be by susan monk kid the la- the woman who wrote the secret life of bees it's called the dance of the dissident daughter and it talks about her awakening to her feminine spirituality but um you know one of the markers for her was when she saw her teenage daughter in a drugstore, you know, stocking the shelves, and she was kneeling down, and two men went by, and they actually said, wow, that's how I like to see a woman on their knees. Nice. And as a mother, you know, it just went right through her heart, and she had to go up and tell them, you know, (laughs) where, you know, how inappropriate it was. And, you know, that attitude is still around, um, and... But our boys won't have that, hopefully, and in the future, we they won't have to fight it. 
Well, hope, my boy hopefully will not have that. That's not how. No, he won't. My my but. sons wouldn't have that. <laughs> no, but my sons wouldn't have that. But we're talking about men from my generation, right. from the you know the baby boomers, well, and, and well, it still is true because that gets passed down. When you see your parents and you see your your father treating your mom a certain way, and your mom treating your father a certain way, you think that's the way that that's supposed to be. That whole thing is, um, yeah. So you your daughter is spectrum, not here for that. Well, you know? well, here's here's my thing. I mean, you you look at both sides of of parents. You look at your parents. You look at your in-laws. You look at whoever else are role models for you. And and now, you know, with the modern family situation, it's not just to a mom and a dad. It could be step parents and so on and so forth. So right, you have a lot to look at. And with entertainment, you can also look at different shows and see the relationship and kind of pick and choose. You don't have to emulate any one thing, especially if it doesn't re- feel right for you and if you don't feel like you have the respect. But here's the right. thing about women and moms and men is um, most of the women that I know and most of the moms that I know, they're the ones who are really steering the ship of the family. Now, it's not every single family, but I'll say maybe 9.99999 out of 10, um, where it's the mom who's really holding the family unit together and the men maybe go off to work. In a lot of ways, just going off to work and, and getting a job and making money is almost easier than running a show at the house and keeping your house together, keeping your kids on track, getting all your homework done, making sure they all live out their dreams, and then still doing your own thing at night. So, That's right. Um, when I remember even when I was in, especially when I got to law school, I mean, in college it was already when I would meet you know, go, come home and see um, my parents and their friends. All of them would ask if I had a boyfriend, and it was all about like the women had to find a boyfriend, and the women had to find a husband, and it had to be engaged. And if you weren't engaged by a certain time, you know, forget it. You would just the the social view and peer pressure on you is ridiculous. Now. I'm of the opinion, and if I would have known this back then, you know, I may have, I don't know if I would have done something differently, but my mindset would have changed, um, yes. is to know how important the, and I tell this to a lot of my, um, a lot of uh, younger girls who I mentor, or young women that I mentor, that it's just a matter of, um, the men are so much luckier to have you, <laughs> In a lot of ways. (laughs) And, I mean, there's, you know, especially how we're the ones having the babies and doing all these things. I mean, we are just miraculous beings in and of itself. Now, men are are great also, and I'm not going to, I'm not for the division of the sexes. We can't downplay men. Right. I believe we're all in this together, and it is symbiotic, and it is synchronistic, and um, we are all in this together, and we all have common goals. But for women to step outside of um of the shadow of men and stand in their true power. Trust me, the men will come up to meet you in, in droves. And, right. Um, yes, and just, definitely. And, and those are the archetypal powerful. patterns. Right. You know, you know, um, women are better regardless of of a feminist stance that we're all the same, and we are on a deep soul level. We're here, and if you look at astrology charts, we're here with our unique purpose. Mm-hmm. But also, we live in a culture. And also we have biology, okay? And women's biology connects us to the life-giving source. 
So we are better at relationships. That's why it's better for us in many ways, not all men, but why women are in charge of the family. Because we can, we have more serotonin, we can, we have we more can compassion. Multitask. We can multitask. Most yes. men cannot multitask. Right. Well, the thing is, if you look at the myths, you know, the, the men, in a way, masculine consciousness is like the wheat that grows every year, and then the ancient myths like of Osiris. And then it's about, it's about um, a structure that grows, that's life-giving, and yet has to die so it can be reborn. Women know how to do that. We do it monthly with our periods. We, we have a sense of interiority of our soul. Men have a harder time with that because, and of course, they haven't been trained for that. So while all of us have been cut off from the deeper soul, Women, you know, even though we're cut off, you know, in terms of how the collective would like us to be, um, we all, we are we have an innate connection to those deeper places. Yes. And men don't, but that doesn't mean they can't find it. Right. Many there are plenty of extremely spiritual and connected men out there. Yeah. And definitely. I, well, part of it is too that they, you know, that we women have had to learn the masculine ways of being, but men have shied away from the feminine ways of being, which is more intuitive and feeling. So the men. Oops. Yeah. Are we at the end? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like how we thought that this time was just going to fly because once you and I get, get on a roll, <laughs> yes. it just takes us everywhere. But I, I think it's actually a really good taste and a really good sampling of um, learning who a little bit about who you are and the kind of coaching that you can provide and the kind of guidance. Um, and if anybody out there wants to find Kathy, her websites are www.wisdom-of-astrology.com and um, Kathy was kind enough to offer our listeners a special offer with regards to astrology readings or dream interpretation, which we haven't even got uh, yes, yet. If you, if you write me, um, you can just let me know that you came from Mama Pearls and I'll give you a 20% discount on a reading. And... Um, and we'll go from there. Thank you so much, Kathy. I look forward to talking to you again, Cynthia. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. And tune okay, in next bye. week. Thanks. Bye.